Amen. Notice those last three verses of Matthew chapter 28. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Notice what Jesus said there. He said, all power is given to me. Jesus is basically claiming here that he has all power. He has all authority. And he does. And he says the one with all power and with all authority he commissioned those 120 Christians to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I believe that that commission has been passed on to us. And it has been given to us with the ultimate authority. And what I want to talk about today is the soul winner's authority. The authority that we have as soul winners is powerful, I think, beyond what we can even imagine. And I believe that some of the best and most clear verses that just show the power and authority that we have as soul winners are verses that are very misunderstood by people and are being just completely butchered by a group of people that we would call oneness or modalists. And in order for us to understand the power of these verses, we need to take a brief look at the Trinity. All right. And we believe in the Trinity in this church. We do not believe in oneness or modalism as it's called that basically uh, we believe that there is one God. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 7, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. So, how can we believe there's three and, how, and but believe there's one God at the same time? Now, this is a great mystery. This is something that is hard for our minds to comprehend. And one of the things that's difficult about it, trying to explain the Trinity is we're trying to explain something that is more that is beyond what you and I can imagine. We only understand what's matter, what's physical, what we can see. We're talking about something that goes beyond that, about something that is heavenly, which is God. And so it's hard to illustrate, and at the same time, it's difficult too because what is what I'm picturing might not necessarily be what you're picturing, okay? I've been accused even here recently of teaching some very weird things on the Trinity that I do not teach. And part of the problem is the fact that, you know, whenever people heard my explanation, what I was seeing in my head definitely wasn't what they were seeing in their head, all right? And so I want to try to illustrate this to you in a way that I think would be crystal clear. In fact, I want to try to communicate, what I want to try to communicate with you is something that was communicated to me when I was just a little kid. I remember as a, you know, as a young boy hearing about the Trinity and I remember having a conversation with my dad about the Trinity. And I'm like, you know, we know there's the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, but you know, so I was like, when we get to heaven, are we going to see three or are we going to see one? You know, what, what, what is it that we're going to see? And I'll, I'll, I remember the way my dad explained it to me and I'll, and I, and I don't even know if this is what he meant, but I'll tell you what was, what was in my head, all right? And before I get to that, the explanation I got that's still in my head today, all right, I, I, I need to go over a few things to help you with this. So how do we make sense of this? How can they be three and one? I believe it's very similar to us being three and one, all right? We are body, soul, and spirit, are we not? When, we, when you go to a funeral... What's something that we often do? We will talk about how they're in a better place. But wait a minute, they're right there in the casket, right in front of us. What are we talking about? Well, we're saying because they're in heaven, right? 
But is their body in heaven? No, their soul is in heaven. Their soul is somewhere else. But their body is right here. We're going to go put their body in the ground. The ground's not a better place. Okay? But heaven is a better place. We believe they're in both places at one time. The body's in one place. The soul is in another place. We are a three in one. And when it comes to God, I believe that God is a three in one. Okay? Now understand when it comes to God, it's, you know, a lot of times we're thinking in, in terms of things that are material. Okay? But God is a spirit, the Bible says. Okay? But, and I, but I believe that we have in heaven, alright, you could say, that in the beginning was God, right? And you had the Father, you had the Word, and you had the Holy Ghost. And I believe there were three that made up the one God. I believe the Father, you could say, representing the soul, Jesus Christ representing the body, and the Holy Spirit representing the Spirit. Now, one thing that God is able to do that we are not able to do is in a sense that he is capable of separating himself, okay? Right now, all three of mine are stuck together, aren't they? Okay? I can't send my soul somewhere else, you know? I can't send my spirit somewhere else, okay? I don't believe in astral projection and things like that. Uh, I, I can't do that stuff, alright? But I do believe when I die that my soul is gonna go somewhere else. My, my soul is going to go to heaven. But I, and I believe when it comes to the Trinity, while you had the three and they were distinct, okay, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Father, but each of them are God. Just like my body is me, my soul is me, and my spirit is me. Alright, are you all following me so far? Alright, just make sure, you know, try to look like you know what I'm talking about. Okay? But anyway, in heaven, when it comes to the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, I believe that the Word, Jesus Christ, I believe that part of the Trinity, that part of God, came to earth. Just like when I die, the only part of me that's going to go to heaven is going to be my soul. That's the only part that's going to go to heaven. My body's not going to go until the rapture. When God came to earth, it was the Word that came. It was that part of God that came to earth. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We see, uh, and it says, we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Romans 8, 3 says, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, condemned sin in the flesh. Hebrews 2, 16 says, for verily, he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. The Word was made flesh. The Word was made like unto sinful flesh. The Word took upon him the seed of Abraham. And so I believe when Jesus came to earth, that part of God came to earth, I believe that Jesus had his own body, soul, and spirit. And I was accused of saying that, you know, the Father has his own body, soul, and spirit. The Son has his own body, soul, and spirit. And the Holy Spirit has his own body, soul, and spirit. Never said any such thing. But what I did say is that the Word, I do believe Jesus Christ, was made flesh. He was made like us. Therefore, he had a body, soul, and spirit that was distinct from the Father and from the Holy Ghost. Otherwise, he would not have been fully human. But we believe Jesus Christ was fully God while being fully man. And if we have a man that doesn't have a soul, all right, then he's really no more than an animal, is he? And the truth is, he was fully a man, yet he was God. Therefore, he had no sin. 
And so I believe it was the Word that was made flesh. That part of the Godhead, just like there are three parts of us, that part of the Godhead, it came, it's what came to earth. That was Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus Christ has always been. That's why in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus didn't start in the womb of Mary. Jesus has always been because Jesus is God. Okay, but just like there's the three parts of us, the part of God that is the Word, that part is what was made flesh. And he, Jesus Christ, He had to be born. He had to learn how to talk. He had to learn how to walk. He had to learn how to do all those things. And He lived a complete life. He, su- he felt hunger. He felt thirst. He suffered pain. And eventually, He suffered death. And then, the soul of Jesus Christ, the Bible says His soul, it went to hell when He was dead during that time. But his, while his body was in the tomb, you know, and I said, I've been getting accused of all these things about the Trinity because I think, I said, just the soul of Jesus went to hell. But it's like, nobody's body goes to hell. Okay? Not until after the resurrection when it's going to be cast in the lake of fire. Jesus' soul went to hell, but his body laid in a tomb for three days. He, he was there while at the same time the Father was in heaven and the Holy Ghost was, you know, everywhere doing what the Holy, what the Holy Ghost does. And so, you know the, you know, or lost my So you know, I don't believe the Father, Son, and Spirit all have their own body, soul, and spirit. But I do believe when the Son came to Earth, He had all three. That's because He was made like man. And so I also, but I do believe that the Father has His own image because Jesus is the express image of the Father. I believe the Holy Ghost has an image, all right? And it's not a dove, all right? People think that the Holy Ghost looks like a dove because the Bible says He descended on dove like a Jesus, but it didn't say it had the shape of a dove. It just said that it descended like a dove. That's all it says. I believe that the Spirit, it has an image too. And we see at Jesus' baptism, you've got the Father in heaven. They can hear His voice saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You've got Jesus Christ there in the water. And then you have the Holy Ghost literally coming down on him. And so when we get to heaven, what are we going to see? Are we going to see three or are we going to see one? That's the big question, right? Because here's the thing. There are clearly examples where we see Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. And I personally believe that right now there is still a separation. Okay, just Like right now, my body, soul, and spirit are all together, aren't they? Okay, Now you can't see my soul and my spirit. But the evidence that they're there are, are very clear, all right? There's a difference between a dead body and a living body, okay? And the body without a spirit is dead. So there are examples of that. We see examples of Jesus, that lamb, going and taking the book out of him that sat on the throne. There's clearly examples where we see two. Just like my body has an image, but you know what? My soul has an image too. I don't know what it looks like, okay? And whenever you get to heaven, though, if you get to heaven before me, when I get to heaven... You'll, I believe if you see me, you'll recognize me. You know why? But you're just seeing my soul, but my soul has an image too. I don't believe my soul is going to look exactly like my body because my body has the marks of sin on it. But I believe that Jesus' soul, or I believe the Father looked just like Jesus the Son because of the fact Jesus didn't have any sin. So I, I, don't, I don't believe there was a difference there. So they all have an image, but here's what was explained to me when I was a little kid. All right? Because, you know, the Bible teaches in Revelation 22, verse 1, it says, And he showed me a pure 
river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him, and we shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads. You know, the Bible teaches that no man has seen, or that no man has seen God at any time. We've not seen His face. But yet we've seen Jesus or Christ, who is God. You know, we personally haven't, but many people did. I, and the Bible teaches very clearly that no one has seen the face of the Father. And I personally believe, and the way it was explained to me, one of these days, Jesus Christ, after he's done doing his work, after he has come back to this earth, after he has ruled and reigned for a thousand years, Jesus Christ is going to deliver up the kingdom to the Father. And I personally believe when we see the face of the Father for the first time, that we, what we will actually be looking at then will be one. I think we're going to see Father, Son, and Spirit all together. And I believe it's going to be, and forgive my terminology here, but it's like we're going to be seeing Jesus supercharged, basically. You know why? Because we're seeing Him in full glory. Because right, think about it, when He was on earth, you know, people were able to behold him. People were able to look at him. But we see examples in the Old Testament when people would see God, like when Moses saw the back parts of God. We see that, you know, his face shone after that. He couldn't even look at him. But after we're in a glorified state, one of these days we're going to see Jesus Christ. Obviously, I think we're going to be looking at body, soul, and spirit all together. And we are going to behold then, when we see the Father, one. And I believe it's going to be magnificent to behold. And I, but I don't believe that's going to happen until after the millennium. And so these things are very important for us to understand. And they said it's, it's tough stuff to comprehend. But I do. I believe eventually we will look at one, all three. But there are times there are going to be before that where I think we're going to see uh, where we're, we're going to be able to see the three. So now this is why I say all this to get to the main part of the message. All right. Let's look at a few verses or go to John chapter 13, verse 20. So remember how Jesus said, all power is given unto me. And he tells them to go to all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, referring to on their authority. We're doing it in their name. Okay. We often, we will do, uh, you know, there are people in our country that they will do things in the name of the president, you know, in the name, on behalf of the president of the United States. We have ambassadors. The Bible calls us ambassadors. So it's not that necessarily the president of the United States doing something, but he will send an ambassador that will do something in his name. Oftentimes the president will give that person certain authority and say, here, you're allowed to do this. You're allowed to make this decision. You can, but you can only go this far. Okay. With Jesus, all power and all authority was given to him. And Jesus told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. All right. In John 13, verse 20, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever, uh, whomsoever I send receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. You all see that? Now, who did Jesus send? Jesus sent us. The Bible says if people will receive us, they're receiving him. Now, does that mean that we're Jesus? Well, if we interpreted the Bible like the Pentecostals do, then yes, then we're Jesus, okay? And most of the where the oneness and uh, get their uh, doctrine from on Jesus and on the Godhead 
is from the book of John, never looking at the context of any of those verses. You know, any of us can take a statement in the Bible and make it mean what we want it to mean. There's a, there's a part of the Bible that says, let him who stole steal. That's what it says. That's what it says, folks. So let, let, let him who stole steal. In other words, if you stole before, just keep on stealing, right? That's what the Bible says. Yeah, but that's not all the Bible says. It says, let him who stole steal no more. Well, yeah, it says that too. It says that, you know, but that's what that, you know, that's an extreme right there. But a lot of the oneness people, and I'll show you the verses they use, they use that same type of, you know, uh, interpretation when it comes to the verses that they use. So what does this passage mean when it says, if you receive him that he sent, you receive him. Uh, he that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. Okay, basically, so right here Jesus is saying, if they will receive who I send, they're receiving me. He said, if you receive me, you receive him that sent me. Well, who sent him? God the Father did. So man, not only are we Jesus, we're God the Father too, right? According to the Pentecostals? No, that's not what it's talking about. Okay, but Hebrews eleven six. All right. So first off, how, you know, what does a person or how does a person get saved? Well, simply by faith in Christ, right? Bible says without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The book of John, it was written so people would believe and so believing they would have life through his name. So Hebrews 11, so if I see him first, if I have to see Jesus in order to believe that I don't have faith, Bible says in Hebrews 11, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it, what? Faith. The elders obtained a good report. Okay? The elders obtained a good report through faith. Notice they didn't receive a good report through works. They received a good report through faith. How do people get saved today? They get saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, if they have to see Him, then where is the faith? There is no faith. So what did God do? Okay, what has God left on earth to get a person to have faith? You know what He's left? He's left preachers. He's left soul winners. Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So notice what God chose to do. God chose for people to be saved. They have to believe on him. They have to call on the Lord. The Bible says they can't do it unless... Somebody tells them, unless there's a preacher. Bible says they can't preach except they be sent. Jesus Christ has sent us into the world. So understand the method for getting people saved is soul winners. It's people like you and me telling other people how to get saved. But what are some of the, what are the, what are the, some of the main objections that we get whenever we try to give the gospel? Whenever we have these skeptics, whenever these atheists come, you know what they do? Show me the proof. Show me Jesus. Show me evidence of God. You know, let me look at him. You know, do something. Basically what they're saying, show me some miracle. Give me a sign. Do something, you know, do something cool. Put on a display. But you understand that violates Hebrews chapter 11, doesn't it? The Bible says, 
Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What is it that they're asking for? They're asking to see something. But the Bible says that's not how faith works. Matthew 16, verse 4 says, A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas, and he left them and departed. All that people are going to get to be saved, all God is going to give are soul winners. That's it. He's not going to give them a sign. He's not going to give them, he's not going to give them a miracle. They're going to get messengers. Hence, John 13, 20, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. If people are going to receive Christ, they've got to receive us. They've got to receive our message that we're given. They've got to receive the word that we're giving. This passage does not mean that we literally are Jesus. It means we have His authority backing up what we say, just like we see in Matthew 28. All power is given unto me, is what Jesus said. And then what did Jesus say after He said all power is given unto me? He said, go ye. He told us to do it. He commanded us to go preach the gospel to every creature. And in, that, and in the Pentecostal churches today, and in a couple of wannabe Baptist churches with wannabe pastors, there are people out there that are teaching that things like Jesus is God the Father. Taking verses out of context, mostly from the book of John, that are teaching us about the authority that we have as soul winners. So let's look at a few of these verses that they like to use and throw in our face. All right, so John John 15, but first, John 15, verse 24, let me read this verse to you too. It says, If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin, but now have they both seen and hated both me and my Father. Okay? And then the, the, the oneness people say, well, that's just talking about one. Well, why would he say both? You know, he's saying, he's saying, whenever you say both, doesn't that imply two? All right, when you say both, that's exactly what it says. But here's where they get mixed up. They like to expound on a single verse instead of an entire passage. And they also don't understand authority structures and how they work. Okay? So people get all mad when you start talking about Jesus having a different will than the Father. Even though Jesus said... Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. They're like, you know, you guys are teaching that God is schizophrenic. Well, then you know what? Then I'm schizophrenic too, because the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Even me, I have different wills. I want to eat healthy, but my flesh doesn't. You know, I want, you know, my, you know, my soul wants to exercise. But my flesh doesn't want to. You know? Am I schizophrenic, folks, because of that? Do I have a mental disorder? No. You know what it is? I've got a body and I've got a soul and I've got a spirit. And they work against each other. Jesus said that Himself. He said, watch ye and pray. Lest ye enter into temptation, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And it was the same thing with God. He has, the, the Father and the Son had a different will, but the Son submitted to the will of the Father. Now, because we are in a fallen state, do we always submit to the soul? No, we do not. Who do we usually submit to? We usually submit to the flesh. That's who we submit to. But in the Godhead, they always follow the chain of command. We don't. And so let's read a few of these verses. So John 10, verse 30. You don't have to turn to all these. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Boom. Jesus is the Father. 
He said, I and my Father are one. John 14, 7. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? All right, so right there, that proves that Jesus Christ is God the Father. Therefore, God didn't send His Son to the world, like John 3.16 says, God sent Himself to the world. You know, for God so loved the world that He gave Himself. Is that, no, it says He sent His Son. Okay? And people get all bent out of shape. because. But is that not exactly what the Bible says? Alright, one of these preachers, I mean, he's like making a joke about God saying, you know, I, I'm not going to go myself, I'll just send my Son instead. You know, that's not what God did. No, God did. He sent His Son. That's what the Bible says. He said it didn't say He sent Himself. It said He sent His Son. The Bible talks about if He was willing to give His own Son, you know, he, He's willing to give us anything. If He'd give His own Son, you can't give anything more than that. But that's exactly what God did. That's exactly what the Bible says. And they'll run to these verses to teach something else. But if those verses, what Jesus was saying there, if those verses make Him God the Father, then we are Jesus based on John 13, verse 20. If we're going to use that same mentality, you know what else it says about Jesus in the book of John? We, then we should start teaching that Jesus is a loaf of bread. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. You're going to have to eat me. Jesus, or we're going to have to say Jesus is a cup of water. Jesus said, I am the water of life. We have to say that Jesus is a door. You know, we have to say that Jesus called himself a lot of different things. What was Jesus doing when he called himself all those things? He was telling the people... If you want those things, if you want the water of life, if you want the bread of life, if you want the Father, you've got to believe in me because I am the way to the Father. I am the only, I'm the only way to that. And he, and what he's teaching here shows an authority structure. Jesus is saying that him and the Father are talking about the same thing. Okay? Because so, people who reject our message, as long as we're given the right message, they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting Jesus Christ, aren't they? They're not, they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting Jesus according, according to the Word of God. People who reject the Word of God are rejecting Jesus Himself. I had a guy just yesterday tell me, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe the Bible. Then he doesn't believe in Jesus. John 5.46 says, For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me, referring to the scriptures. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? You know what Jesus was saying? Hey, if you can't believe the Old Testament, then you're not going to believe me either. You know why? Because we're saying the same thing. Moses wrote of me. And, there, and, and this is what these people are doing. The Pharisees were saying, we've got Moses. We follow the law of Moses. And Jesus is saying, no, you don't because you don't believe me. Moses wrote of me. All the prophets wrote of Jesus. Yet these people claim to be followers of the Old Testament, but they didn't believe Jesus. And so you know what Jesus said? He said, you're not followers of the Old Testament because the Old Testament wrote about me. And so, so suppose somebody tonight or somebody asked, hey, what time is your service tonight? All right, I find out. After church, somebody, somebody's visiting and they're like, they were, I find out they're wanting to know from me what time the service is. And maybe I'm not able to get to them, so I send them my son to tell them, hey, go tell them at 6 o'clock. Alright? 
And I go and I, and he, and then Tommy, he goes and he tells them, hey, it's at six o'clock. And they're just like, I don't believe you. I want to talk to your dad in order to know. Well, here's the thing. If they won't believe him, if they won't trust what he's telling them, then they don't, they don't trust me either because I'm the one that sent him. That means I trusted him to get the message to them accurately. And the fact that they are not trusting his word, it shows that they don't trust me. And how did God choose to spread the message to the earth? You know what he did? He sent his son, Jesus Christ. And you know what the people did? They said, nope, we want the father. But the truth is their rejection of Jesus Christ was a rejection of the father because the father chose to send the son. And Jesus, when he ascended to heaven, he chose to send us. And so when people reject us, it's not a rejection of us. It's a rejection of Jesus Christ. And so there, you know, the lack of faith that that person has in my son, it shows a lack of faith in me because they don't trust my messenger. And you say, well, you know, Brother Tommy, your son, he's got this issue. You know, he seems kind of brain dead sometimes. You know, he's a teenager. You can't trust teenagers. Well, I get that. But you know what? Can you trust me? All right. I'm the one that sent him. I'm counting on him. And listen, I'm not perfect. Okay? I could mess up. I've counted on people before and they messed up. But do you think that's going to happen with God? Do you think God's going to send someone to earth who is going to fail in doing what he has told them to do? Especially when it's his son? You think that's going to happen? Especially one who is a part of the Godhead? The truth is, the lack of trust in Jesus Christ was a failure to trust God the Father. And God had a huge problem with that. And so Jesus, He's saying, if you reject Him, you're rejecting the method that God wrote, that God chose to get the message across. God chose to use us. It says in 1 Corinthians 1.21, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by miracles and signs and wonders to save those that believe. No, it says, by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block and unto Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. It doesn't say, you know, really, God chose us? Yes, that's why He calls it the foolishness of preaching. You mean God chose as His method to spread the gospel of the world is a bunch of people like us going around and knocking on people's doors and telling them how to get saved? Yep. Well, that just doesn't even look good. Exactly. Hence the foolishness of preaching. To save them that believe. Okay, not them that go to church and get dunked in our baptistry and do all these works. To save them that believe. If we go out there and we succeed in getting people to believe, they get saved. That is God's method. And those who reject, those who reject our method and say, you know what, I want more. I want to see Jesus. They're not going to get it. God chose to use us. And they're going, to have, they're going to have to believe our word. So when people say, I want to see physical evidence of God, what they're really saying is, I don't like the method that God is using. See, when Jesus walked on earth, there was nothing physically exceptional about him. It says in Isaiah 53, verse 1, it says, Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? 
For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. There was nothing physically special about Jesus. There was nothing that would make a person look at him and think, wow, he's, he's great. He didn't have the looks. He didn't have any of that stuff. He was somebody who was despised. He was somebody that was looked down on and he ended up getting beaten. He ended up dying in a horrible way. But guess what? With his stripes, we are healed. That horrible death that he died is what heals us and what cleanses us from our sins. That is who Jesus was. But people today, they're like, you know what? I don't like that. I want to see a miracle. Show me some magic trick. You know, do something really cool. And then I'll believe. But you know what? When we go soul winning, there is no spectacle that we can put on. I've never, I, I'm not able to perform any miracles. You know what we do? We go and we deliver a message. We don't use this lifestyle evangelism that we just, we're just going to smile them into the kingdom of God and just, you know, give them warm, fuzzy feelings and make them think we're so great. They're just going to come running to us. Hey, what do I have to do to be like you? And what must I do to be saved? No, you know what we do? We deliver a message. We preach them the gospel. And there is no spectacle. But you know what? The false prophets, they put on the spectacle, don't they? That's why we've got the Benny Hens running around healing people and doing all his magic tricks and blowing on people and making them pass out and all that stuff. But you know what? You know what those people are really doing? They're giving the people what they want. Because is that not what the people want? You've got the people, you've got the Jews, spiritually speaking, out there who want the sign. They go to the Benny Hens and all the people like that. You've got the Greeks out there, you know, spiritually speaking, that they want the wisdom. You got all the smart people that are out there. You got all the Calvinists that know more than everybody. And they, you know, they, they're going to find their salvation just from this higher knowledge that they learn. That's where a lot of the cults and things come from. But you know what? What saves people is the message of Jesus Christ, is the preaching of the gospel. And the, but those false prophets, they give people what they want. You know why? Because there's money in that. Big money in that. Just look at their buildings and things that they build. But Jesus here, He's saying when they were rejecting Him, they were rejecting God's authority. Look, turn over to John chapter 10. Let's, let's go back and those, those verses I showed you that uh, modalists like to use to prove their oneness doctrine. They don't like to read entire passages. So let's look at John chapter 10 and verse 30. And it says, I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone Him. And Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone Me? The Jews answered them, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because thou being a man makest thyself God. Jesus answered them, It is written in your law, I said, ye are gods. If he called them gods, unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said I am the Son of God? If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do 
Though ye believe not me, believe the works that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. So right here, notice what Jesus says. After he mentions I and my Father are one, they're all mad at him. Hey, you've made yourself God, which he did make himself God. And rightfully so, because he was God. But notice though, so he brings up a verse. He says, wait a minute. It says in the Bible, in the book of Psalms, in fact, Psalms chapter 82, that ye are gods. Go ahead and turn over to Psalms chapter 82 and look at what it says there. There's a verse in the Bible that says ye are gods. What's that? What's that talking about? Okay, and listen, God is not always a reference to a deity. It is a, it is a very, it's a, a title of authority, just like Lord. It's a title of authority. And understand that God has given man certain authority, hasn't he? And they are supposed to carry out that authority the way he gave it to them. And it says in Psalms 82, God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah, defend the poor and, po- poor and fatherless. Do justice the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High, but ye shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. You know what God's doing right here? He said, I've said ye are gods. You know what he was saying? I gave you a job to do. I gave you authority to do, and you didn't do it. You didn't do what I told you to do. So you know what? You're going to die like men. And what Jesus, what Jesus was talking about here in John chapter 10, crystal clear, he was saying that, hey, what I am doing, I was sent by the Father to do. I'm doing what he told me to do. I am acting under his authority and under his rule. And those of you that are rejecting me, you're rejecting, you're rejecting him. As a minister of God, as someone whom God has sent, I have to do things the way God said to do. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing. He was not giving them his message. He was giving the Father's message. And yet these people, they're thinking, no, we, we love God. We believe God, but we don't believe in you. And Jesus is saying, it doesn't work that way. If you don't believe in God, you don't believe in me. He's saying we've got the same message. We're on the same page. Jesus was doing God's work. Therefore, they were rejecting God, the Father, and not Him. In John chapter 14, Jesus, we're not going to take time to read it all. Jesus' disciples, they did not want to believe Jesus. And they were asking, you know, Philip, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. And, he, and, Philip, and Jesus told them, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's telling them, The exact same thing that I am telling you is what the Father would tell you. If you go and read the whole passage and you look at the context, God had clearly delegated the authority to Jesus. God had given it to Him. The rejection of Jesus was a rejection of God the Father. And therefore, and it's the same thing today. If you get pulled over by a police, okay? If a police come, if I'm driving, if I'm driving home today and a policeman drives up behind me, and his lights come on. And I go and I decide, you know what? I know who that policeman is. And I don't, I don't like him. And therefore, I'm not going to pull over. I don't recognize his authority. Now, whose authority am I really going against? Am I going against the police officer's authority? Or am I going off against our city's authority? 
You know why? Because our city is the one that commissioned him to be a police officer. Or if it's a state trooper, I'm actually going against the authority of the state. Our state is the one that commissioned him. I can say all I want to about him, but you know what? If he is doing the work of a policeman, I am not going against him. I'm not going against, you know, Officer Andy Taylor. All right. You know, I'm going against I'm going against the city of Rock Falls is who I'm going against. Uh, and that is exactly what Jesus is talking about here. See, we, you know, we're not taught about authority today. You know, we're not taught about husbands ruling over the wives and children being subject to their parents. We don't understand these things today. So people get really confused about this stuff. But that is what we see all over in the book of John. So God delegated that authority to Jesus. Jesus has since given that authority to us to spread the gospel. That is our job. Jesus proved he had authority by the miracles he did. We prove our authority with the word of God. So I would rather be able to do miracles. Sorry, that's not what God gave us. God gave us his word. And you say, well, where's where's the miracle in that? The miracle is in the inspiration of the scriptures. The miracle is in the fact that we have an inspired, preserved word of God that is without error. That is a miracle in itself right there. And you can say, well, you know, that's hard to show. That's hard. You know, people are going to keep denying that. Yes. And you know what? They denied Jesus' miracles too, didn't they? Jesus raised people from the dead and they didn't believe him, did they? So how are miracles going to work any better? If they won't believe the Bible, they won't believe anything. I don't care what you do. They're not going to believe. So understanding these things, I wish we had time to go over more of these scriptures, but the key to understanding these things is understanding how God delegates authority. And that ought to motivate us. You know, many people, they think there's no way we're really getting people saved. You know, yes, when Jesus walked the earth and went, yeah, the woman at the well, she got saved. You know, the maniac at there, yeah, she got saved. Yeah, the multitudes that he preached to, they got saved. But the people that we preach to, they don't really get saved. Why? Let me ask you, what's the difference? What saves people? Is it works or faith? Well, if they if we're spreading the same message that Jesus spread, then why would the results be any different? Well, because that's Jesus and you're you. Yes, but understand that it was God that had sent Jesus at that time. And Jesus has all power and authority and he has sent us. Therefore, that power, that authority comes from God, the father that we have. So, why would we not expect the exact same results that Jesus had? It's the same power. It's the same message. It's the same authority. Therefore, we should not be surprised by these things. We should not be in doubt when people are getting saved. We have the same message. This does not make us Jesus, but it motivates me to want to do great things. Well, good night. If I've got that, if Jesus has given us this power and authority, now, you know, it's easy. You know, why do we want to do miracles? So we can make ourselves look good, right? But is that what Jesus did with his miracles? No. He did it to glorify the Father. Well, you know how we glorify the Father? You know how we glorify Jesus Christ is by being obedient to his word. And God didn't tell us to go into all the world and put on a spectacle and do miracles. He said to preach the gospel. That's how we glorify God. And we have all power. We have all authority because of that. And John fourteen twelve, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do, he shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. 
And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. So who's doing it? Is God doing it or are we, is Jesus doing it or are we doing it? Well, we're doing it, but He's doing it through us. Does that mean that we're Jesus? No. It just means we've got His back. His, he, he's backing us up. We've got His authority. We have the right. It's not us doing the... It's, it's Jesus doing it. Or you could say it's both. It, just, it doesn't mean we're all one. It just means we're doing the same thing. So understand that. Just chew on that for a little bit. Think about that power and that authority that we have. That's why we go out. That's why we start churches. That's why we preach the gospel because it makes a difference. It changes lives. It will change people's eternal destination. You have the ability to do that. Where did I get that ability from? You got it from Jesus Christ. He gave that authority to you. Now, what are you going to do with it? He said, ye are gods. But you know what? He said, you're not doing the things that I told you to do. You're going to die like men. Hey, we've been given some authority. We've been given some power. Why don't we do something with it? Why don't we use it and go and do great things for God? We have that, that authority. We've got the, and that's why we do it in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, under their authority. The Pentecostals, when they baptized, they baptized in the name of Jesus only. Well, the Bible says to do it in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We do it in all three. One, because that's exactly what Jesus said to do, but just showing we have all power and all authority to do that. We received it from Jesus and He said to do it in their name showing we have the authority of all three. And that's what that means. And that right there is the soul winner's authority. And so you know what? While there's a lot of skeptics out there saying that it doesn't work, while there's a lot of lazy Christians out there today saying that it doesn't work, you know what? I've got a higher authority that says it does work. And you know what? I can do that. And you know what else I'm going to do too? A lot of preachers have a problem with this. I'm going to go wherever I want to preach the gospel. I don't need to call the archdiocese of some town and ask them, hey, can I go soul winning in your town? I don't preach that are like that. You know, you don't go soul winning. You've got, you got to have a local church there sponsoring you. Really? I don't see, I don't see that in the Bible. I, think, I see where we've got authority to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And if you think I'm going to go find some lame church, get some lame church's permission that's never knocked a door in their life, forget that. I'm going to go wherever I want because I have all power authority and I can get those people saved. And if those churches in that area are worth shooting, I'll send the people over there (laughs) to to go to church. But anyway, so that's our soul's authority. So I hope that was a help to you. And let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word you've given us. We thank you for the authority that you've given us as soul owners. And dear God, I pray you'll help us to use it the way you did, God, that we won't we won't pervert the message, Lord. We won't uh, try to tweak the methods that you gave, that we'll do things exactly as you commissioned us to do. Uh, just like, uh, dear Jesus, you did. Um, you, you followed the instructions of your Father. And I pray you'll help us to just do great things as a result of it. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's